You're listening to Crossroads International Church Podcast. Welcome. We hope this podcast will bless you from wherever you're listening to it. For more information, go to our website at xrds.nl. And now, let's get into the podcast. Good morning, everybody. It just Isn't it amazing how it just doesn't get old, worshiping God, right? I mean, normal songs, you, I, there's a season and then they fine and, and you enjoy them, but then you get to another album because the song gets old, right, Eric? And just, you know, but you need to get the next song. But with worshiping God, I mean, I'm still singing songs that I was singing when I was like nine. It doesn't get old because God's spirit inhabits the praises of his people. And God is alive. And seeks to work in our hearts and lives. I'm so grateful that we can worship him together as a people. Okay, so we, um, we started last week, you will remember. And we started speaking about, um, we reminded ourselves how for the early church, this idea of table was so important. And that when they were thinking church, they were thinking table and how everything flows from the table. And then we, we looked at very briefly, there were three occasions when Jesus reclined at a table. And whilst reclining at the table, some incredibly important things happened whilst he was reclining at the table. There were three key things that took place. While Jesus was reclining at the table. And we, and, and we reminded ourselves of those. We reminded ourselves of the story when Jesus was reclining at the table. And then this woman just comes and everybody says, no, you can't. But she just comes to the table. She brings what's valuable and important to her and she, for this alabaster jar, uh, jar. And she breaks the alabaster jar in this great act of saying, Jesus, you are the most important thing in my life. I want you and everybody present to know I desire you more than anything. So this great act of worship took place while Jesus was reclining at the table. And what we're saying is, as we remember these great things that happened while Jesus was reclining at the table, it is almost as if Jesus invites us or he says to us, will you invite that into your life? And almost as if he's asking us, what will it look like if you were to break the alabaster jar this year? And so we said, write some things down. Allow God's spirit to speak to you. And then we looked at the story where Jesus reclined at the table. And we were remembering the Last Supper. And on the road to Emmaus, you remember, when Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and he gave it. And in the giving it to it, he was issuing an invitation. So he's saying, yeah, come, take. And that invitation was to his table. And we know that biblical, uh, biblically the significance of an invitation by the king to his table when he breaks bread and he gives it to you, he says, here, take it. Come to my table. We understand the significance of that. It's not just here, you know, have a bit of food. You know, have a piece of bread. No. The significance about it is, I invite you to join my family 
to be my daughter, to be my son. And so we said, well, what would it look like if we were to invite that into our lives this year? To take seriously our, our understanding of what it means to belong to the family of God and our relationships with one another. And we said, what would it look like if we were to, as part of that, that understanding, were to bring our gifts and our talents what we can do together as a community when we bring who we are to the table. And that's what's, what Julie's doing. Let me explain quickly what Julie's doing over there in the corner. So what Julie's doing, and you are going to continue next week in Commitment Sunday, is we're busy making a table with this idea that we come all shapes and sizes. It should be up there. It will be um, soon. That we come here, all shapes and sizes and backgrounds and cultures and heights and lengths and all the rest of it. But we understand that I can never be on my own what I could potentially be with all of you together. I can never build on my own what I can build with you as my family. We also use the idea of mosaic. And Lego blocks. I've got one Lego block representing my life, and I just plonk it there, and it can build nothing. But when you bring yours, and you bring yours, and you bring your life, and we put our lives together, now we can build something. The idea of a mosaic, it's all shapes and sizes and squares and whatever, and on its own, it might even look weird. But when we put it together, we build this beautiful thing when we come to the table together. That is what Julie's doing. She's busy designing and getting this table together. And so next week during Commitment Sunday, you're going to bring your life, your mosaic, your little tile, as it were. And in a response moment next week, as part of our Covenant Sunday, Commitment Sunday, to say, yes, Lord, I invite these things into my life. I want to take up my seat at your table. You're going to come and respond, and you're going to place your, your tile, your mosaic, and we're going to put it together, and you'll see it's going to form a beautiful picture. Is it up there? There we go. We're going to form this beautiful picture, and then we're going to pour resin all over it, and it's going to become a table. And we're going to unveil it, wait for it, on Easter Sunday. That's going to be our communion table Easter Sunday. Isn't that beautiful? Together at the table. Don't miss next week. And then thirdly, we reminded ourselves uh, where, where, where Jesus was reclining at the table. And at the table with him, uh, we, 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 we read of tax collectors and sinners. And he welcomed them all. And he said, there's, there's room for you at my table. And it's as if Jesus was saying, well, will you invite that into your life? Will you make that your life's vision and priority to say, listen, I want you to use my life, Father God, to make disciples of all nations, to reach out with the love of God, to extend this grace which I've received to others. Use me to bring others who think they are not worthy to come and sit at your table. That was last week. Today we're going to continue talking about the table, the king's table. 
Today's message is for me actually the heart of our vision this year for each and every one of us. You see, when we take last week in isolation, we might come to a conclusion that really what it's all about is about me coming and signing up at the booths outside. And so, by the way, please go and do that because they are outside there again. But it's all about me signing up and what I bring to the table and what I'm going to do at the table. I'm, how I'm going to use my gifts, how I'm going to reach out, how I'm going to break the alabaster jar. And, and it's all about what I'm going to do, what we're going to do, and what I'm going to sign up for, how I'm going to volunteer, how I'm going to all that. But actually, it's not what it's about. It's not really about what I do. But it's about what he does when I say yes to come and sit with him at the table. It's not about what I do, it's about what he does. It's not about what I bring, but it's about what I become when I say yes to the table. And I believe, and I'm looking here from Ville all the way here, all the way to in the corner, if I had my glasses, I could see who you are, but I, I, I don't quite, but I can see there's somebody. And I go all the way there, and again, I, I, I can't, because I haven't got my glasses, but then all the way around through, all, and then to Johan and then to myself. I believe each and every one of you, God wants to do something transformative and new and good and beautiful and holy in your life. To meet you in a transformative way. To reignite that desire and passion for Him. To want to be at the table with Him. To sit down with Him at the table and say, God, I'm here. Tell me about me. <laughs> what have you got to say about my life? I'm interested. I want to know your plans and your heart and your future for my life. It's about when we say yes to reclining at the table, it's about who we become. Okay, the king's table. I'm going to take time because I, this is important for me. I'm going to look at a story in the Old Testament. Great story, so by the way. From 2 Samuel chapter 9. I'm going to take a bit of time. I want to read the story for you. It's going to take a couple of minutes, but let's set the scene. 2 Samuel 9. David asked, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now remember, Saul was king the king who wanted to kill David, you remember? Saul's son was Jonathan, and Jonathan and David were best friends, you remember? Okay. Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? At your service, he replied. The king asked, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show 
God's kindness. Ziba answered the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, he is at the house of Makir, son of Amiel in Lodabar. Try and say that fast ten times. So King David had him brought from Lodibar, from the house of Makir, son of Amiel, when Mephibosheth, try say that fast ten times, when Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied, don't be afraid. David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should show, uh, uh, that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your son and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Verse 11, then Ziba said to the king, your servant will do whatever my lord the, the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Verse 13, and Mephibosheth Lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. We'll read so far. What a story. Woo! Go and read it tonight. 2 Samuel chapter 9. Okay. There is a verse that helps us understand this whole long story. It is in a few chapters earlier, 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4. Let me read you the one verse. It explains the story a little bit for us. Jonathan, son of Saul, had a son who was lame in both feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. What was the news? That they were both killed in battle fighting the Philistines. That's what happened. So here is Mephibosheth, his grandfather and father killed in battle. Five years old. His nurse picked him up and fled because now there's danger, there's no one to protect him. And, he, and, and, and he, Mephibosheth, has, Mephibosheth has to get out of there. He was in danger. Picked him up and fled, but as she hurried to leave, uh, sorry, um, he fell and became disabled. His name was Mephibosheth. Okay. In life, things happen to us. 
Some are nice things, and some things are not nice. In life, things happen to us that are sometimes our own doing, and things happen to us that's not our fault at all, but the result of something that someone else did. This is what happened in Mephibosheth's life. Life was fine, but at the age of five, everything changed in his life. His grandfather, father killed. Now he is no longer Prince Mephibosheth, really. He's got to run and flee for his life. And in this, um, he, he's dropped, he falls, he's, he's paralyzed, lame in both his feet. And so this, the, the, this terrible thing happens to him. And so he loses kind of his royalty, as it were. He loses his health and things are not going well for him. And then we read, he goes and he lives in a place called Lodibar. Want to know what Lodibar means? Lodibar means place of no pasture. So nothing. <laughs> Lodibar means place of no pasture, or, or it can mean place of not having, so nothing, or it can mean no communication. This is where Mephibosheth lived, the place of no pasture not having no communication. Who knows a little something about Lodabar? <laughs> One might call it wilderness. And we have in the story, David comes to this man of the line of the family that tried to kill him. And he comes and he shows him extraordinary kindness and invites him to his table. And we have a story here where this guy, Mephibosheth, moves from a place of Lodibar, nothing, where he moves from a place of no pasture to a seat at the king's table, from no pasture, Lodibar, to making me lie down in green pastures, Psalm 23. And I believe that is the heart of what's going on this year about Vision Crossroads 2023. is that when we say yes to the king's invitation and we go and recline at the table of worship, at the table of family, at the table of outreach, it's not what I do, it's what I become in him and what he does in me. I, be, I move from Lodibar, no pasture, to lying down in green pastures. I believe. That God wants to do something new and exciting in your life. I believe he wants to move you from Lodibar to the table of the king. From no pasture to he makes me lie down in green pastures. I pray and I ask, do you want God? 
to do something new and beautiful and good in you this year. Now, I don't care if you've been a Christian for five minutes or five million minutes. I pray that Vision 2023 will be you saying, God, do something new in me. Move me from Lodibar to the table. said to you, I believe all the stuff we're talking about, it's easy to get distracted and think it's about what I do and what I bring. But what this is really about this year is about what God does when I say yes to his invitation and I come and sit and take up my seat at the table of worship, of family, of outreach, the king's table. It's what God does in me when I say yes to him. Now, what does he do? Well, here's the beautiful thing. You see, on the one hand, God calls us out of Lodibar to his table. But it is at the table that God calls Lodibar out of us. Do you get that distinction? God calls us out of Lodibar, but it's at the table. It's when I sit with you and I break the alabaster jar. It's when I, when I bring my gift. It's when I reach out. It's when I'm in the presence of the king. It's at the table that God gets Lodibar out of me. And I become no more. The dead dog of Lodibar, but Prince Paul Smith, son of the king. And I think that's what God wants to do in each and every one of our lives. Not just call us out of Lodibar, but call Lodibar out of us. <laughs> and you know what I mean by that. Here's the challenge. And we see this so clearly in the story. So David comes and he shows extraordinary kindness and he calls him and invites him to his table. But it's difficult for us to, well, it's easy for us to believe that God wants to do something good and new and holy in someone else's life, it becomes difficult for us to believe that he wants to do that for me. And we see that in Mephibosheth's response. What does he go? What does he say? He goes, who am I? A dead dog. Listen, I think dog would have done. Right? He goes, I'm a dead dog. I cannot imagine that it's possible to have a lower sense of self than to refer to yourself as a dead dog. And you know what? Actually, many of us 
for we may not refer to ourselves as dead dogs, but many of us struggle to believe that God wants to do something for me, in me, through me, with me, and that I really am worthy of a seat at his table. No matter if I'm a CEO of this or a, or a some other three-letter thing, you know, C-O-O, C-E-F, C-F-X, whatever title you have, whether I'm this or I'm, it doesn't matter. Most of us struggle to believe that God wants to do something good and that God wants to show extraordinary kindness to me. Let's talk about the king's table a little bit. I think the first thing that I want to say to you is as I look at the story, and go and read it again tonight, is I think you'll come to discover some characteristics about the king's table. Some things that we receive, some things that transform us from dead dog to prince to princess. That we see at the king's table. And the first of this that we recognize is the king's table is... And will always be a table of grace. It's a place of grace. You see, Mephibosheth did nothing to earn his seat at the table. He did not invite himself to the table. The king's table is a place of grace. And I think the first thing we must understand is that God extends His grace to each and every one of us. And I want you to remember that as you go into this year. The table is a place of grace where God says, My free and unmerited favor, my extraordinary kindness, I extend to you. I give you my grace but as with all invitations, that they need to be accepted, right? And I pray that you will accept God's invitation of grace. That you will grow in your understanding of what does God's grace mean in your life. That you will live in His grace. It's a table of grace. That invitation has to be accepted. That's partly what next Sunday is about, actually. What Julie's busy with there. Next Sunday is what we call, call our Commitment Sunday or our Covenant Sunday. It's going to be the Sunday where you bring your mosaic tile. We're going to pray together. But it's going to be the day where we come and we bring our tile and we say, God, I say yes to your invitation of grace. I recognize your grace. I thank you for your grace. I know that I'm, I'm, I'm worthy in because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And I say yes to it. I don't want to see myself as a dead dog. I want to see myself as a daughter, as a son of God, the King. And I say yes. I want to accept that invitation to the table of grace. That's, that's happening next week. So when you bring your tile, it's you saying yes. When you pray that prayer, it's you saying yes to God's grace. But there's another part to this table of grace that I really actually want to share with you about. Mephibosheth really did nothing to deserve being there. 
but it was, God, it was David's grace, the king's grace. Mephibosheth had to say yes, and, and that's what we want to do. But you know, but talking about together at the table, talking about living at the table, talking about the art of table living. If we want to be this year together at the table, if we want to understand the art of table living, we must remember that the Lord's table is and will always and must always be a place of grace. Not only must I receive God's grace extended to me, but the, but the call and the mission and the responsibility is for you and I to extend that grace towards one another if we are talking the art of table living and how to be together at the table. We are called to be at the table together. That means we must be gracious to one another. And extend God's grace. Listen, church, we come from nearly 60 different nationalities. Probably even more churches than that. All ages and shapes and sizes and colors. Backgrounds and histories. And yet we come together here to try and worship God together. And you think it should be done this way. And you think it must be done that way. And you think it should be done completely in a different way. And so we carry on. If we are to be together at the table, we must extend God's grace to one another. And let me just tell you, God has got such a sense of humor. You know this about God already. So God knows I was going to say this this morning. We must extend grace to one another. What does God do? He says, right. Okay, then. Let's, uh, let's see if you can practice what you preach for. Okay. And so something, something happens to me this last week or so. Somebody said something to me, did something to me that was not kind, that was not nice, that hurt me. Oh, but don't feel sorry for me. Oh, no. Because far more important than that, you see, because that happens to us in life all the time. The troubling thing is, how I responded to that person <laughs> was not with grace. There was very little grace in my response. And so I make it difficult for us to be together at the table. And God says, yeah, you go and preach about that on Sunday. <laughs> It's easy to be gracious when everybody's smiling at you and when everybody's nice at you. Try it when they've just told you something horrible and mean. Then be gracious. And the world will know that you are my disciples by how you love one another. The Lord's table... It's also a table of acceptance. Mephibosheth found at that table not rejection, not ridicule, not mockery for walking funny or with his lame legs as he found in the town of Lodabar. There comes that cripple. No, he found at the Lord's table acceptance. And just a little word about that acceptance that I first... Well, 
want to remind you of this day. So many of us as Christians live with this perception of God, this idea of God and our relationship with God. And it's something like this, that listen, I'm getting into heaven by the skin of my teeth. I mean, I'm going to scrape in there. Really, when I get there one day, it's going to be a, whew, I made it, feeling for many of us. And we have this thing that we, and we might not verbalize it, but, we, but deep down, you know what I'm saying, this thing where we, where we feel that God tolerates us. say to you today, God does so much more than just tolerate you. God does so much more than just accept you. God is crazy about you. God is for you. God loves you deeply. He doesn't just tolerate you. He accepts you to the point where he says, you, oi, the seat is yours. Daughter, son, of mine. I do far more than just tolerate you. I am crazy about you. The flip side, again, connecting with what I said earlier, if we're talking the art of table, living together at the table, we are going to need to grow as a community in our acceptance of one another. And as, as I said last week, those who we find at the table that we are surprised to find at the table, that we never thought we would see there, that we think shouldn't be there. But remember, we're not the ones doing the inviting. It's not our table. It's the king's table. And Jesus on the cross offered that invitation to each and every one of us. The art of table living means understanding that it is a place of acceptance. It means recognizing each other's sonship, each other's daughtership, recognizing that in one another. It is a, it is a table of restoration. I'm almost finished, don't worry. It's a table of restoration, the king's table. I, but you, it just... The story just drips with it, doesn't it? Table of restoration and reconciliation. <sighs> I want to say this to you first of all, that Mephibosheth's past and his family's past and his family's history did not rob him of his future. Everything in the natural said that he should not be at the table. But the Lord's table is a table of restoration. It is a place where my past is forgiven, my present is healed, and my future is restored. Some of you are here, and your families are a mess. Your family history is chaos. It's crazy. 
Mephibosheth and his dad and his grandfather and, and all of the mess that was going on in his family's history and life. I see here at, a, at, at the king's table, it doesn't take God long to sort out generations of mess. He is restored at the table. I want to tell you, God wants to bring restoration to you and your family. I, uh, I, you know, can I just say something quickly? There's so much family pain sitting in this room. Marriages, children and parents. Oh, man. The king says, come. <laughs> Take a seat at my table. It is a place of restoration. It is a place of reconciliation. It is a place of healing. I, I, I just want to... So I receive... I received a letter this week, and the only reason I'm saying anything about it here now is because it's the only place that I can, because I don't know who you are, and I've got no way of communicating with you or responding to you, and so I'm saying it here now, and I hope that you're hearing me. Uh, if you're the one who sent me the letter, if you're watching online, I, I, I just want you to know that I got your letter. I got it. And in fact, not only did I get it, sorry, I carry it with me everywhere I go. I want you to know it. I carry it with me. Thank you for sharing your pain with me. I want you to know that I've, I've heard you. But I want you to hear today that Jesus stands before you and your family and your parents and what's going on in your home right now. And he's breaking the bread and he's saying, take and eat. Take. Take a seat at my table. And that table is a place where brokenness gets restored. That table is a place where things that are damaged and hurting gets healed and repaired. And I pray that God will do that for you and your family you who sent me that letter, I carry it with me. I'd love for you to email me so I can say hi to you and say to you, I pray for you. But it just reminded me that there is so much of that going on in our community. There's a lot of pain and brokenness in families and relationships. See, the reason... I say yes to the table. It's not because of what I do and what I bring. It's what I become. It's what happens in me and in my family when I say yes. It's a table of restoration. I'm going to stop now. Because we still need to have communion. Let me say one last thing. Ultimately, the Lord's table is a table of transformation. The more I sit at the table, the longer I sit at the table, 
the more the dead dog of Lodabar in me fades away. And that's why I invite you and ask you to come and recline at the table of worship and family and outreach. Because the more time you spend at the king's table, the more the dead dog of Lodibar fades away and you are transformed into prince, princess of the king most high. It's a place of transformation. Amen. Thank you for listening and we hope that you have a wonderful week. See you next time.